Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be back with you another Friday evening, right? Because of the campfire, I was unable to broadcast from these studios. So here we are three weeks later, picking up on our theme that we have titled A Holy Desire, right? A Holy Desire. I am taking up various questions about the spiritual life because what I hear in your many questions is, well, questions about the spiritual life. So again, it is good to be back with you. Now, in our opening two weeks together, we reflected ever so briefly into how we might best respond to the question, can you pray for me? And we did so with 12 points, 12 points that will be further developed over the course of the next three to four months. And as I noted earlier this month, in that question, can you pray for me? You have five words that, when strung together, really do form one of the more important questions in the spiritual life, right? I mean, I do not know a single soul who has not been asked that question, can you pray for me? And so, my dear friends, we are spending the time we are on this question because how we respond to this question can change really the course of someone's life, right? And on that truth, could we not then say someone's history, someone's history that they will have to share? In other words, how we respond to this question affects the outcome of history. Bold statement, I know, but when you really consider it true, true. All right, all that being said, What about prayer itself? Intercessory prayer hardly gets off the ground because many folks struggle with how to approach prayer. So what is prayer? So here I'd like to to share a story. Almost two decades ago, I had the pleasure of attending a talk by a couple who had been married for 75 years. That's right, 75 years. And after giving a brief life history of the long-ago high school sweethearts now in their 90s, the MC asked the questions I think most people in attendance had on their mind. How have you been able to do it, right? How have you persisted in a marriage that sustains its beauty? How are you able to continue to care for one another? As the MC finished, the wife grabbed the microphone, and still today I can hear her words with reverberating power when she said, we are still getting to know each other. Over the course of those 75 years, she continued, we have managed to find ways to surprise each other every day. If a silence can grow, well, (laughs) it grew. So with her words fresh in my mind, I left that building, that arena, and I headed directly over to a nearby chapel to give thanks to God. Why? Because this elderly woman, in an instant, really did supply the answer to a question about prayer and the journey of faith with which I had long been struggling. Her perspective on marriage 
really did give me the key to unlock the mystery behind prayer, which was what but relationship. In all my questioning up to that point, no one had mentioned that simple word, and when I finally heard it, I was overwhelmingly grateful. And so this framework gave me a very real point of reference in my own understanding of prayer and, I dare say, purpose, huh? Uh, The Catechism speaks to prayer as an elevation of mind and heart to God. Many of the saints refer to it as conversation with God, huh? In every exchange between two people, what do you have? Someone speaks and another person listens. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is no different with God. Without these necessary components, someone speaking, someone listening, any conversation, including prayer, breaks down. Maybe at times we are tempted to dislike what we hear, especially when God responds to our prayers with with a no or not yet. We allow the conversation to end without accepting God's will and obedience without turning to Scripture or the writings of the saints to shed light on seemingly unanswered prayers, I know, yeah, we can get frustrated. Isn't this, by the way, exactly what happens with our own children? We, too, say no or not yet to request why. Well, because from our vantage point, We can see that saying yes is not always in the best interest of a child at a particular time. This is precisely how we must understand, must understand our prayerful dialogues with God in order to overcome the selective listening that prevents authentic conversation and really we could say deeper prayer, right? Prayer is always about listening to God listening to God with an open heart and obediently responding to what he shares with us. My dear friends, as we are called to this listen-response dynamic, as we are called to enter into a listen-response relationship with our Savior, we do so without ceasing. What is St. Paul saying? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. But to pray without ceasing. Now, Paul's teaching and exhortation is clear. Prayer is the means by which we engage in perpetual courtship with God. Now, for Catholics, this means that the Eucharist is the high point of our lives because in this sacrament, we experience union, right? Oneness in body and soul with Christ. The liturgy gives shape to all other aspects of our relationship with Christ and envelops, we could say, sustains, and in so many ways gives meaning to our more informal moments with the Lord. And yeah, when we struggle to pray informally, oftentimes the formal prayers of the church, such as the Mass, popular devotions, the Divine Office, and those prayers we could also say that our parents taught us as children, really do help us reignite that spontaneous prayer that we may have been neglecting. My friends, liturgical prayer teaches us most of all that the church herself never ceases to pray and therefore neither should we as individuals. And we never retire from prayer if we're living a courtship-minded relationship with God. As I've noted on more than one occasion, so much can be learned from thinking of our relationship with God in prayer analogously to our human relationships. 
Going on dates is a formal expression of the couple's love that gives shape to the perpetual courtship with our beloved, right? In turn, could we not then say that these formal, concrete experiences foster and promote the informal, unplanned moments together? If you are in a relationship with someone, if you are married, you know what I'm talking about. You see, both teach us that we are still getting to know each other. Both teach us that the element of surprise is a great gift to the relationship. Oh, did that couple who had been married for 75 years have so much to teach me that day. And I could also say, hopefully, by the grace of God, teach us today. (laughs) Now, what's more, prayer is encountering God's own holiness and being awakened to a holiness so great and vast that, yes, we need the Holy Spirit himself to intercede for us. What do we read in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27? That it is indeed the Holy Spirit himself interceding for us and interceding for the saints according to the will of God. Do you hear that, my friends? The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us and intercedes for the saints. Saints defined there in the Greek and from the Bible as what? But the holy ones of God. So by virtue of its very expression, as this passage highlights from Romans 8 verses 26 to 27, prayer is intercessory, okay? As the Catechism notes, we see this early on in the Bible, right? Since Abraham, intercession, asking on behalf of another, this is what our whole series of reflections is about, intercession. And when you think about intercession, it's asking on behalf of another. Uh, This has been characteristic of a heart attuned to God's mercy. And again, this brings us all the way back to Abraham. The Catechism goes on to say that in the age of the church, Christian intercession participates in Christ's as an expression of the communion of saints. It closes with these words, In intercession, he who prays looks not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, even to the point of praying for those who do him harm. Now, we are going to spend a lot of time on that in future programs. But what about the phrase, Christian intercession participates in Christ's, as an expression of the communion of saints. This phrase, my friends, is very important for our reflections on intercessory prayer. How? Why? Well, by virtue of our baptism, we share in the one baptism of Christ. All the faithful who have been baptized in the one baptism of Christ are made holy because they now abide in the holiness of God. What's really interesting here is that St. Paul never, not once, employed the term Christian, but often used the phrase, employed the phrase, in Christ. Why? Because baptism is the sacrament of being incorporated into Christ. In effect, our intercessory prayer is a going into, sharing in the one mediation of Christ. We read in 1 Timothy Two verse 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now, I know this passage is often used against 
any kind of intercession. But what does Paul ask for just a few verses earlier? Prayers of intercession. What do we read in verses 1 to 4 there in 1 Timothy chapter 2? First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what did Paul just write to Timothy? It is pleasing to God when people intercede on behalf of another. It is pleasing to God when people intercede on behalf of another because they are sharing in the great mystery of Christ. When St. Paul was writing to Timothy, he very well could have had the words of Christ echoing in his ear from uh, John chapter 15, verses 7 to 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. St. Paul was urging intercessory prayers because Christ himself urged us to go to him with our prayers of intercession. Brothers and sisters, I just wish to close our reflection together this evening with this. Intercessory prayer is fertile ground because our mediation is a going into the one who is the author of all that is life-giving. God wants us to think like he thinks, act like he acts, live like he lives, and we do this so beautifully when we pray for others. Hmm? Praying for others is a way of thinking, acting, and living like Christ. In and through intercessory prayer, God is asking us to enter more deeply into his outgoing love and mercy. What did I quote a few weeks ago from the catechism? We pray as we live because we live as we pray. So let us pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ as we live out our days. Amen? Amen. All right, in our time together next week, we will begin to really explore the 12 points I considered in our last two weeks, focusing in on next week, faith, and what faith has to say about our intercessory prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.